0: I'm much happier now only because, again, it's you get to love yourself in a different way when you quit worrying about what, like all the rules and regulations, you really just focus on who you are. And even more so other people, I quit worrying about, well, I say this all the time, but in the church, you can't even help it because of the way you're taught. You worry what everybody else is doing. And when you get into spirituality and love and all these things, you worry how people are doing and that's made such a big difference in my life my connections are better than ever my relationships are better than ever
1: what's up everybody this is matt here with the husband-in-law podcast this is where we share our stories of love ex-love marriage ex-marriage divorce ex-divorce and coming out of a closet that needed to be open and so much more this podcast is for those who are looking to up their relationship game by understanding first yourself and then others like your wife, your husband, and your wife's ex-husband on a whole new level. Welcome to the Husband in Law Podcast. Let's get this party started. Jessica, do you want to go ahead and introduce who our uh, guest is today?
2: All right. So today we have Jimmy Rex with us, and we are super excited to have him share his stories. We know a lot of you guys come to us with questions about navigating your relationship with the LDS Church. We have a lot of interest in that. And Uh, your beliefs within the church. And one of the things I love about Jimmy is that he has this great perspective of being in and outside of the church and just the good that you bring to the world. And I think that's what I love is your acknowledgement of just, it's more important to be a good person and to love the people around us than to affiliate necessarily with a specific religious group or... um, I don't know if I'm saying that we'll let Jimmy right, say it. yeah, I was going to say, mm. Jimmy says it well. So that's why we've got him here. Um, so yeah, Jimmy, just tell us who you are and some of your
0: backstory. Uh, yeah, no, it's, uh, thanks for having me on, you guys. I grew up in the church. I grew up in a family that was very much active LDS. I went on a mission when I was 19. Didn't really have that much pressure to go. I wanted to go. My I had a few siblings not go, a few siblings not get married in the temple. So we were, you know, we were a very active family in the church, but it was also... Uh, had parents that let us kind of be us, I guess, in our own little way. I mean, there was a lot of pressure for sure from the dad, especially, but yeah, I did that and loved it. Got home my whole twenties. I was super conflicted in a sense that I always wanted to kind of have this life and lifestyle. And I was, you know, as a good kid, I was really active, you know, went to the temple every week with my mom for years, but I also had this part of me that was, you know, just I thought I had to get married to be whole. Like that was the message. And I think they've done a good job of switching that recently is not so much focusing on needing to be a missionary and needing to be married in the temple to, you know, be complete. But back then, you know, and this is only 15 years ago, but it really was. So my whole 20s, I was building my real estate career, became one of the top real estate agents in the state of Utah. I was, you know, building my life and everything else, but I had the hardest time. Like all the women that I dated that I was most attracted to were not the ones that necessarily I was told that I was supposed to date or marry. And I was always conflicted. And then when I would go after the really, I guess you could say the really Mormon girls, it just didn't usually pan out. Like I was kind of edgy for them, but I wasn't. I was, I just was for them. And so it kind of created a lot of conflict. I had a lot of, how's the best way to put it, misunderstanding of myself, of what I wanted. And I kind of look back now, like, so long story short, at age about 32, 33, they called, and the church was doing a lot of things. I just was like, kind of like, I don't know about that. Like, that's not how I would do it if I was God. That doesn't make much sense. And, uh, and so I kind of started just asking myself, like, geez, like, is an all-knowing, all-loving God. Is that how he would do it? And I just, I don't know, for the, I was 100% in for, I really was, you know, I was a virgin into my 30s I and mean, I really did the thing. I never tasted alcohol until I'd been out of the church for multiple years. And I mean, I did the thing. And I was happy. That's the funny part. Is like I had a really good life. I wasn't. No part of me was miserable or anything like that. I had this conflict with love and dating and marriage and all those things. I felt like I needed to do that to be completed. But at the same time, I had a lot of girlfriends. Would go out a lot. Had a lot of friends getting together, doing fun things all the time. So anyway, long story short, I uh, at about age thirty-two, they called the three new apostles. I don't remember which three, but they're three white guys from like Idaho and northern Utah, and I'm like, I'm sorry, like I'm a world traveler. I've been to 68 countries now. The time, you know, I've been to quite a few as well. And I just said, I've been around the world. I've done these things. Like God's bigger than this corner of the universe in northern Utah. And so I said to myself for the first time, I need to be open to the idea that this isn't exactly what I think it's been all these all these years. And so what I did is I really dove in and started studying. I started studying everything stuff, mostly church stuff. Like um, one of the most impactful books I read was David O. McKay's The Rise of Modern Mormonism. And it's about 10,000 pages of notes that his assistant kept over 40 years. And you really get to see behind the, behind the scenes a little bit of kind of how the prophet and apostles were working. I love that book because I think it showed me a different side of kind of everything that you kind of see. I mean, the church at its best is helping people find spirituality and it's focusing on love and all those different things, right? But it also shows you that you know, there's a lot of disagreement. There's a lot of discourse. There's a lot of things that aren't exactly what they portray. And I kind of always thought that the church made a mistake of almost putting the apostles and the prophets on a pedestal. Like these men are like celebrities people want. Well, but the way they're portrayed, right, is yeah. like they're celebrities yeah. and they're, they're bigger than everybody else. And, and by doing that, I started looking at, you know, I mean, one in particular, Bruce R. McConkie, I have a really hard time with because that guy said things as doctrine over and over again. And it was awful, awful things that he said. And the church had to correct him over 400 times or not even correct him, just tell him to shut up basically. Um, (laughs) but you start putting this all together and I just went, geez, I need to be open to the idea that maybe there's more out there. And so I started searching and I researched for about a year and a half. I researched over 800 hours. Probably. I had the advantage of having a very successful business. I was single. I had time to do this. And I just dove into a lot of stuff, a lot of church material, and I came to the conclusion there's no way, there was no way in all-knowing, all-loving God that this was the only true and living church on the earth. And that's as much as I could get to that point. So I started to kind of look for spirituality in other ways. I started to study other religions. I started to study other cultures. I started to, this is over the last four or five years, study different you know, shamans and things like that. And spirituality, um, I've been able to find this beautiful spirituality that is so much greater than what I ever had when I was in the church and the church for me, it was like, I think that as a whole, it was such a positive in my life. It spit me out at this place where I just, I ultimately left because I felt like I wasn't progressing. I felt like I needed to leave to get more, but I did progress for a long time in it. And that's why I think I have such a positive view of it. I don't need to make the church wrong. It simply got me to a point where I was no longer feeling, I was more feeling shame and guilt at that point than I was love and, spirituality and and God and all those things. And so I just have really evolved over the years, trying to figure out for me, what God is, what this all is all about. And there was a period for about a four month period when I kind of came to the conclusion, oh boy, this isn't what I thought it was, where I really didn't know what my life was going to be about. I mean, one of the things about the church, it's a positive and it's a negative is they tell you where you're from, where you're going, what you're supposed to do while you're here. They map it all out. And for a lot of people, they want that. They need that direction. For me, the hard part of losing that was now I got to reconstruct all that myself. And for about a four month period, that was really hard. Uh, and then I figured it out. And then it became so much more important to me. It became so much bigger and more beautiful. And basically, I was at a Tony Robbins event, Date with Destiny. It's his biggest event. And you come up with your life mission and you spend five, six days on this. And mine is the purpose of my life is to share my tremendous love with all of God's children. Bringing happiness to others through my playful soul and by being an example of living an extraordinary life. And when I came up with that, I mean, it just lit me up. I had goosebumps like I've never felt. And I just knew that was going to be the purpose of my life. So for the last four or five years since then, I've really tried to just focus on love. That is the piece. I mean, if you study Christ, I love Christ. I love studying Christ. His whole mission was love. Everything about him was love. And I mean, if you look at the people that Christ would make fun of or was upset with all the time, It's the people today, like the the Des Nat dudes and all those kind of dudes that, you know, they think that they're somehow honoring God by hating on other people and things like that. And all Christ taught was love. And so that's what my life has been about ever since. And that's what I try to spread. And that's the message. And my life has been amazingly blessed by having that approach. I'm surrounded by amazing people. I actually, I have a family that every single person in my family is still active in the LDS church, six siblings all married. 26 nieces and nephews, and every single one of them kind of honors the path I'm on because they can see. And I just kind of explained it to them. I said, look, if we truly believe in an all-knowing, all-loving God, like what God would not honor the path I've taken? Like I did this thing until it didn't feel right. I studied it for years, all in, full intense. And then I figured out that my whole life needs to be about love. And if I err on that, (laughs) then I guess that's a good place to err on. But that's (laughs) kind of my story that you wanted me to recap. So there you go. So I have
1: a quick question for you, Jimmy. When you study the life of Christ, what books or what things are you studying?
0: The Bible. The Bible. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I mean, for me, it's, you know, it's all right there. If you really and I mean there's a lot of other good books. Um, Believing Christ is a book I really enjoyed. The Continuous Atonement I actually really enjoyed too. I don't believe you know, I don't think it's all correct, but I think there's a lot in there that's really good. I think ultimately when you think of Christ as a man and you think about what his purpose was here you know as a god here on earth you can kind of go well yeah this makes a lot of sense like all he was trying to do was to teach us that like we need to love our neighbors that we need to share this love and all the energy we put out is what we get back like i am feel like i've never been more connected to the universe and the energies of the universe and all those things and i know and i put that energy out it's coming back and so all i like i've got to the point now where i cannot litter on the ground because it's like i wouldn't want to do that to the earth because i know that there's an energy behind that now and you know and all those things and so i still make plenty of mistakes i still can be a total jerk sometimes <laughs> right but like knowing that and understanding that has really helped me to connect to a large group of people and you know one of the most important things i've learned from christ is that he never taught like it wasn't as black and white as people make it religion has to make things black and white to keep the masses moving forward but christ was always talking about the gray he always talked in parables and even like as i've i've seen this in my own life like what people think is right and wrong, like in, from the church's perspective. And that was one of the impetuses for me to get out of it or to you know, just not be involved in it was everything was so black and white. And all these people I kept meeting didn't fit the church's idea of that, but they were such good people and doing so, such good things. And I said, you know, God is more great. God is more about intent. God is more about what your motive is. It's a lot less about what you're doing and a lot more worrying about how you're doing.
2: I very much agree with that. Like, it's just—and I think, you know, as staying in the church, I think sometimes Steve might wonder why we're still there when we are, you know, open-minded, accepting, and loving. Or, like, other people do, too. Like, they try to get us going, and I'm like, but people need to—we need these people in the church, too, that that are seeing some of those gray areas and that are— opening their minds up to the fact that we're all doing the best we can. And that doesn't mean you're good or bad. You're doing what you feel is right and following your heart. And that's the heart and the desire Heavenly Father gave you. That can't be wrong. If you're trying to do what's right and love other people, then the way you do it is the correct way for you, is how I feel.
0: Yeah, I think a lot. I think most people, you know, you need something to help you in your life. And I think for most people, the church— is a net positive. I do believe that. I don't know what the percentage is. I always dabble in this. Twenty or thirty percent of the people would probably be better off leaving, and the rest are probably better off staying. You know, yeah. I mean, at the end of the day. But for me, it got to a point where the shame and things like that were paying, playing too big of a role, where I couldn't love. And so for me, I had to leave because I didn't like the feeling that I had in church anymore. I, I no longer was progressing or growing. I was beating myself up when over things I didn't need to. Frankly.
3: You know, it's it's interesting that you bring up that you feel like the church as a whole is a net positive because people ask me regularly, how do I support Penny being raised in the church? Because Jessica and I have a daughter, she's 10 years old, and she is very much all into the church. <coughs> she enjoys it, she loves it, she believes it, and Matt and Jessica, of course, take her to church on Sundays, and I support that. I support Penny doing what she believes is right for herself, and, and I support Jessica's decision to, to raise Penny in the church, so... A lot of people have asked me, like knowing what I know and believing what I believe. How do I support Penny being raised in the church? And and I haven't used the, that phrase, but the same thing—that it's a net positive. That I feel like there's more good that comes from it than than harm. And
0: yeah, I mean, I I had every advantage in the world to figure this out for myself. I really did. I had support. I had people that didn't care either way. I had friends on both sides. Like I had every advantage you can have, and it was still the hardest thing I've ever done. Was trying to navigate and figure that out for myself you know and so like i don't wish it upon anybody like for most people if you take that base out and that's why you see a lot of people fill it up with maybe things that aren't so good because you just don't know what to put there anymore and all of a sudden you're like okay i want to find out what my own moral code is i want to find out what these things actually mean to me and unfortunately that can be a very negative thing for a lot of people and so i just i'm grateful that i had the advantages that i had i don't take it lightly and that's why I never encourage anybody to leave the church. You know, I had a sister come to me once and she's like, Hey, I'm having some real doubts here. Like, I want to talk to you. And I just laughed. Like, I ain't telling you nothing. Mom And
3: kill me. I was like,
0: you can go figure it out on your own. You know, I was like, I don't want, I don't, I don't need anybody else to You know You don't, you don't need to and be so,
3: blamed for that, right? <laughs> no, like somebody asked me
0: once, they're like, are you going to remove your records? I'm like, no, I just don't give any power to the, the church. It's like, yeah. I don't need to, I don't need to remove my records. I don't care. Like there's nothing there. I. I, I'm fine. It's part of my heritage, but like there's no power on me. I don't care what they think or do. It, essentially, it just doesn't have any power on me now because I don't give it any authority, if that makes sense.
3: And I can so relate to, you know, you talk about this void that was left of going from having these major milestones mapped out in your life. Like you know what's expected of you when you're in the church of where your life is supposed to be heading. Like, what are the, where should you be in five years, 10 years, 50 years? Like, what does life need to look like? And then leaving that, And all of a sudden not having that like mapped out for me was really difficult in basically I didn't know what life was supposed to look like. Like I didn't know what it meant to like, I didn't know what I was supposed to be trying to achieve or how, what does it even mean to be a good person anymore? Like I very much went from feeling like I had, like I didn't really have to do my own thinking about what I should be accomplishing to really having to dig in deep and say, and figure that out. You know, what, what is it that I want my life to look like? And I love that your mission statement that you came up with a mission statement for your life. That's really cool. Like
0: Yeah. I mean, I it was very powerful when I, you know, when I finally realized because it really was. I mean, I was wandering for four months. You're like, geez, what are we doing here? What's this all about? And that was really hard. That was thankfully for me, I was very determined to figure it out. And so I was working on it every day. But yeah, when it finally hit me, I was like, Of course it's about love. The whole thing's love. Like if I spend my whole life just loving, like There's no way that an all knowing, all living God wouldn't honor my life. Call it whatever you want. There's just no way. And so I've felt God's love. I've felt that very deeply, you know, in some spiritual experiences that I've had, both in and out of the church. And so I just know that God honors my path. And so it makes me happy to know that I'm on a path that He honors. And I get to do it my way. I get to decide what's right and wrong. And it's not what I grew up believing is necessarily right and wrong.
3: So correct me if I'm wrong here, but I I feel like you. You don't seem to harbor ill feelings toward the church. Do you have any regrets about how much time you spent in the church before leaving?
0: No, I, you know, as Tony Robbins says, he says, look, we were dealing with the information we had. So it's hard. You don't want to beat yourself up on a past decision because you were making that decision based on the information you had then, not the information you have now. And so would I do anything different? I don't think so. Like, I love where my life spit me out. That's why I said at its best, the church gives you this desire for spirituality. You know, there was a lot of pain in things that came from some of those years in the church and some of these conflicts that I had but at the end of the day I had a happy childhood I was happy in the church I really was I was happy my whole time I was in it when I left there's a sadness you know I still listen to church songs in my shower sometimes like I wanted the church to be everything and to me the truth matters and for me it was all or nothing it was never just a thing for me I wasn't just doing it to be social like it was everything for me and so you know there is a sadness that it just isn't that, but it also was like such a beautiful thing in my life. It really directed me and kept me. I'm a pretty extreme guy. Like me and my friends are pretty, we're adrenaline junkies, we're just all over this. I mean, I without the church to direct me, I probably would have gotten in a lot of trouble. I probably would have I'm so grateful I didn't start drinking till my 30s. And even then it was like I drink like the occasional wine now. But if you know I had the ability to process emotions all those years where I didn't turn to vices, I didn't turn to these things to try to help me through bad times because I had the, you know, that moral code of the churches at that point. So it did protect me. And I, I think, I think I accidentally nailed it. Like I, I I don't, I'm not like, this isn't lost on me. This wasn't my choice that I stayed single and that I did like ended up where I am, but I, I just have so much honor and respect for the path because it left me in such a good place. And, you know, I really love the life that I have and I, I was happy in the church, but I'm much happier now only because, again, it's you get to love yourself in a different way when you quit worrying about what, like all the rules and regulations, you really just focus on who you are. And even more so other people, I quit worrying about, well, I say this all the time, but in the church, you can't even help it because of the way you're taught. You worry what everybody else is doing. And when you get into spirituality and love and all these things, you worry how people are doing. And that's made such a big difference in my life. My connections are better than ever, my relationships are better than ever. Um, even my family relationships with all those in the church is so much better. And it was kind of fun. My older brother, we had a really cool moment last summer where we were all just, you know, at a campfire talking about what we love about each other. And and he'd been pretty standoffish towards me a few of those years where I was, you know, not in the church. And and he had this moment where he kind of started crying and he just said, he said, I was so worried about where you were gonna end up because my kids look up to you so much. So I kind of didn't want them to be close to you because I didn't know where you were going. He's like, and I just love where you've ended up. I'm so grateful that they have you as an uncle and they have you as an example because of who you've become. And it's one of those things where, you know, you, I made the decision when I left the church, I didn't tell anyone for two years because I wanted people to see my life is like, see that I was on an okay projector. Cause I remember when people left the church when I was in, And you're just worried. You're just worried for them. You're worried that their life's gonna fall apart. You're worried they're gonna get into trouble. And so I just wanted people to see that I was gonna be okay. And once people saw that, I think they kind of just accepted. Like, wow, you know what? And you know, my sister in law gave me a a book for Christmas that year, and on the cover it said, "All that wander are not lost." And it was her way of letting me know, like, hey, we honor your path that you're on. You know, and it's those things. And so I think it's just such an individual thing, but I really don't have any regrets about my time in the church. Like my mission was so fun; I loved it. I killed it. Like I was <laughs> the best missionary. I did. I was such a good missionary and I loved it. Anything you put that much effort towards, you're going to fall in love with. And I fell in love with those people. I fell in love with the work. Where'd you serve your mission? Uh, Monterey, Mexico. Awesome. Yeah. And I wouldn't want to have to redo it because I would have never been able to do it that good again. Like I <laughs> I did that thing a hundred percent all in. And I think that's why, you know, I have good feelings towards the church. It was never a.
1: So in your, in your picture. I never
0: saw it as, I never saw it as limiting. I just saw it as something that, you know, helped me, guide me. Yeah.
1: Yeah. In your picture, you don't have a part. So where was your part on your mission, man?
0: Dude. Depends on which picture you're looking at. I was just, you know, I was working with it back then. I was trying to figure it out.
3: <laughs> glue stick. The answer is glue stick. Yes, exactly.
0: <laughs>
1: Steve was so uh, so obedient that he used a glue stick. To
3: yeah, use I, one, I once got a, a haircut that was too short to maintain a part, so I had to glue stick apart. Wow, that's impressive. I know. <laughs>
0: I'm Very letter of the law. Like, I've always <laughs> been a. I've always been a little bit of a rule breaker, but like I know which rules to break and which ones not to do. Um, it's funny, I. You know on my mission the only thing i did that like was a huge rule break is i i'm a huge baseball guy and it was game seven of the world series diamondbacks yankees B- roger clemens versus kurt shilling <laughs> i had to watch it i had to and it was so i went to a non-members house that i knew would be watching it and we kind of quote unquote taught them for a few hours and it was so funny i told my mission president later i was had so much guilt like three days later i saw him and i was just like i'm so sorry president i'm just like ready to like hang myself because i'm so sad that i did this and he just laughed he's like man elder x i wish i had 200 just like you and you know because that was like the extent of my i was very obedient but i also like if the president made a rule and i thought it was stupid i'd ask him about it and i remember one time he said no wearing shorts in the house and i thought it was so dumb it was 100 degrees in our houses and so i called him and he said this is a bad rule president like i really need some explanation here and he said, well, I went to visit some elders, and their garments were sticking out of their shorts. And I said, well, why don't you just make a rule their garments can't stick out of their shorts? It's 100 degrees in our houses. And he goes, you know what? You're right, Elder Rex. I'll do that. And so he changed it. It was like I just questioned <laughs> authority. I'm not the guy that just, you know, like I think people are trying their best. But sometimes I like when people question me, and I'm willing to look at it and go, you know, maybe I didn't think of that. And so I, I always was kind of that way.
3: I would have been the companion that would have judged you for questioning. <laughs> I'm not proud of that fact, but I was so a letter of the law that yes, I would have, I would have been the one that says, if this is what the mission president has declared, this is what we need to do. <laughs> yeah, I no, like your I, approach you know, better.
0: Well, it's, it, it's, unfortunately, that's what we're taught though, is like blind obedience. And I just, I don't think that's the best way for most people. I think the more that you're willing to ask questions about life and yourself and get curious and ask God and all those. things, I mean, what our entire story of Mormonism is built upon a kid asking questions. Like it's okay to question. Right. Yep. That's the entire freaking story is built on that. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's
3: um, you've talked quite a bit about this already, but I would love to just get a little more insight on how you have continued to maintain positive relationships with your family. And I know you've already gone into this some, but I'm, you know, I'm, I'm still very much navigating relationships with my family and with other people that are still in the church. And I just, I don't know. Yeah, any I mean, any what? last bits of advice for me or for someone in, in this scenario? For,
0: for sure. Yeah. I have a lot of people reach out to me and they ask, you know, like, Hey man, like I actually have a lot of wives that are still in the church that, whose husbands are not, but they're bitter that will reach out to me. and go, uh, what are you doing? Like, how do you keep, Positive on this. And the bottom line is this like, you have to remember what it was like when you were in the church. Like, it's your whole identity, it's everything. And so, when you attack the church in any way, you are attacking that person at the core of their identity. And so, you're always going to lose. Like, no matter what you say, like, I'll take tiny little joke jabs on Twitter. And even those, I kind of like, I'm very careful about what I say, never criticizing the church because I know to those people that it matters to you're attacking them at the very core. You're attacking them, not the church. And so I just learned, I don't want to make my friends feel bad. I don't want to make them feel wrong. And so the way I've been able to keep good relationships with everybody, not even just my family, but all my friends, I haven't lost a single friend because of not being in the church anymore, to be honest with you. And it's because I don't need to make them feel bad about it. I don't need to make them wrong. Like every time I, I just won't talk about it if it's going to be negative And if people are you know, I, I own my truth. Like I, as you can tell, by the way, I tell my story, like no part of me is apologizing for the way I feel, but I just don't need them to be wrong. I don't need to make them feel bad about their own belief in the church for a lot of them. Ultimately, I think God, we can't screw up God's love. We can't screw up getting back to heaven just so everyone knows like this is happening for everybody. And so if the best way for you to do it and the best way for you to love other people is in the church, knock yourself out. Like if it's best, oh my gosh, like, The church, the people that it produces that are amazing, they are so amazing. And so, you know, there's not this evil thing at the top of the church trying to screw everybody. There's just people trying to do their best. And they get a lot of things wrong because they are. They're men, and um, a lot of them are old men, and a lot of them have ideas and prejudices and things like that. I don't believe there's, like, some evil conspiracy, though. They're not trying to tear down people. I've felt enough love from that church that I can honor that. It doesn't mean it's right. It doesn't mean it's for everybody, but at their best they're still trying to share love. And for a lot of people, they are not going to find a more loving community than inside the church.
3: So, you just said you don't think that we can screw it up getting back to heaven. Is that what you said? Yeah. Tell, yeah tell God, us, is, explain God that. is
0: pure love. Well, God is pure love. Obviously, there's evil and everything else, but God just wants what is best for us. Like, our reward, here's what I believe. I think that our whole purpose is to love. And so, The love that we share is our reward here and in heaven. Like when we die and our energy changes and goes or whatever it goes, I believe that the amount of reward or intelligence or whatever we take to the next life is going to be whatever we shared here. And then we grow from there and then we grow from there and we keep doing this. And so if you share pure love here and you help a lot of people, you're going to have that reward. That love is going to carry over with you. That's Mormon doctrine. Like whatever you do here on earth, you're going to have in the next. And so if you just share love, like if you build, that's why commandments still matter. Like if you go out and break all these commandments, like you cheat on your spouse and you lie and you steal and you rob and all these things, you're breaking bonds of love all over the place. So there is a punishment. You're going to self-impose that punishment. You just won't have that relationship. And you've done that to yourself. That is the hell that you create. And so we create our own heaven or hell based on how we treat others here on earth. I don't know. That's just my own belief, but it's kind of beautiful to me. All
2: right. Oh, I think it's amazing. I love how you state all of these different things. And it's so much what I feel and sometimes have a hard time expressing. And so I think that's why, and I think Steve feels that as well. Now out of the church is that that's his whole goal is to just love people and be kind. And that is what we're here to do. That's what Christ did was love people. And so, yeah, I think we get hung up. Like you're saying in the church, like there's all this shame and guilt that so many people feel. And so many of my friends come to me. How do you deal with this? How do you deal with this? And I'm like, let it go. Like, let it go. You were not sent here by a loving Heavenly Father to harbor all of this shame and guilt within you. Like, yes, you feel bad for something. That's okay. That's telling you you need to switch it, but let go of it. Switch it. Move on. I don't know. I think that we get hung up so much on that shame, and guilt. It just destroys you and well, you destroys what's about good mo- within you.
0: The most godlike quality is creating creation and the most Satanic, like quality is destruction, or you know, consuming. And so, as we're creating, anytime we're creating bonds of love, we're creating um, in our businesses, we're creating in our lives. That is a godlike quality. And anytime you're trying to destroy, like if you're on Twitter tearing people down, or you're on the internet just being a troll, like that's not a godlike attribute. God does yeah. not destroy; God creates. And so, I don't know. I think it's a good way to look at. It. I'm trying to be as much like the examples we have of God and Christ and everything else. And so. And again, we all fall short, but like giving yourself a lot of grace, that's such a powerful word that we misinterpret in the Mormon religion, but grace is knowing that you can't screw up God's love. Like you can't earn it. You can't. It's already there. It's already given. You cannot earn love from God. You cannot, there's not requirements to get any kind of love or any additional gift from God. He's going to give it to you and you don't have to earn it. You just get it by sharing love.
2: I totally agree with that.
3: 100%. Uh, Jimmy, you do a podcast, right?
0: I do. Uh-huh. Tell us about that. Yeah, so I have a podcast. It's called The Jimmy Rex Show. And I'm on about an episode, I think 195 is dropping tomorrow. And wow. that, I interview exceptional people living extraordinary lives. So again, part of my life's mission statement is to share my tremendous love with all of God's children, bringing happiness to others through my playful soul and by being an example of living extraordinary lives. So I wanted to show examples of other people that I am happen to have in my life that have extraordinary lives. I've been able to interview a lot of the most successful people in Utah. There's about two-thirds of the episodes are from people from Utah, but I've had you know some huge people on there from Mitt Romney and John Huntsman, local here, to you know some of these businessmen like Trevor Milton and Dave Bateman and John Pistana and Jeff Curl, the founder of Stan Socks, like all these different people. Then I have a lot of influencers. And then I just have a lot of random people that you would never know their stories otherwise, but they just yeah. have extraordinary lives. Guys like Dan Quinn, he was a guy in the military that, found out that one of the Afghan generals they were working with, you know, had taken a little boy as a sex slave. And so he beat him up and threw him out of the camp and saved the boy and um, ended up getting kicked out of the military for it because they were trying to create this atmosphere with the other. But like people like him and just these people that just have these extraordinary lives just over and over again, people like, you know, a lot of small business owners, a lot of just influential people. I, I had, you know, a guy on not too long ago that Jeff Griffin, for example, he got paralyzed when he was in college and he was a football player at BYU and he's gone on to become this huge speaker and author and just lives an amazing life uh, people like that and so it's been really fun I've been able to get a couple of people that I look up to some authors like Robin Sharma the author of the 5am club It's one of my all-time favorite books Dean Graziosi is a guy that is a mentor of mine just had John Lee Dumas on who is kind of the inventor of the modern day podcast and so I've just you know, I've been able to get these really cool guests and share I wanted to share these stories with people in my life and that's how it started and kind of blew up and yeah, now we're, you look back and 195 episodes in, so. It's awesome. Yeah, it's fun.
3: Any thoughts for, and to give it some time frame here, like <clears throat> right now we're like 10 days into this COVID-19 coronavirus stuff that when it hit the US, oh, yeah. Yeah. any thoughts for all of us that are trying to stay positive and like trying to continue on with our lives about, Oh, totally. how to, how to, I, I don't know when you. we're gonna air you. this, but you know, for now.
0: Oh, I got you, I got you. So this is a masterpiece, you guys. This is the universe's total master, I love it. The coronavirus, so the universe has an amazing way of healing itself. Um, this is God, like, it knows how to do this. And unfortunately, sometimes, like, if you think about it, I mean, this world, the, the things we've been fighting about the last five or six years, are you joking me? Like, if some dude can cook a cake in Denver for gay people, or if you can use a bathroom in Target, or if <laughs> you yeah. can, like, Astros banging garbage cans, people are ready to kill each other over this, like, this dumb shit that we've been fighting about, and we've forgotten what, like, it is to just live. And so the universe has given this this huge opportunity I know there's a lot of people in pain and losing jobs and houses and not yet but they're going to and dying and everything else but this is just the universe is tapping us on the shoulder going hey I'm gonna let you guys take a moment relax I'm gonna cleanse this thing up and this is what it is and uh, you know unfortunately that comes with pain but pain is not a bad thing pain is not always the worst thing there's so much to learn in that and so I don't know personally I'm just looking at all this and uh, I can't wait to see the world that we get once this is all over um and there's a lot of pain like my i invested my life savings in my buddy's company five years ago we went public four days before we announced a merger four days before this whole thing hit i've lost three and a half million dollars in stock since it hit this is not like not having an effect on me okay like this is huge having i haven't had something called to show a house or buy a house in two weeks like i'm like there's real problems here but yeah i just love to look at the whole and to look at what this world, like everybody, all of a sudden everything's slowed down and everybody's with their families and everybody's understanding like, man, my life needs to like, this is your opportunity. If you're losing your job and you've been in a dead end job, like 80% of people don't want to be in the job there. And it's like, this is your chance. Like the world's slapping you across the face. The universe is saying, wake up. This is your chance to kind of look at your life and go, wait, this isn't necessarily always going to be good. I, I need to like actually find love. I need to actually look for people I want in my life in case I ever you know, lose them, and and so there's so many lessons. There's so many gifts. Uh, my life coach always says, whenever something bad happens to me, I'll tell my story and I'll be all pissed off, you know. And then she'll go, "Jimmy, let's name 20 gifts that just came out of that." I'm like, "Oh hell, no!" Here we go. <laughs> but every single time you're able to find those gifts, like our minds are trained to find what's wrong because of yeah. how we survive. It's the DNA. Like we look for what's wrong because then we can fix it and stay alive. And you can retrain your mind through gratitude and through just paying attention to where these gifts are in your life every single day. So I always, the question I've been asking everyone the last couple of weeks is what are you celebrating today? What are you excited about? And what are you grateful for? And if you train your mind to look for those things, that's what it'll find. If you want to find what's wrong, there's plenty to find, but you can literally train your mind to find what's going right.
2: That's awesome. Well, and I love what you're doing where you've taking a chunk of money and are going and buying gift cards and you're challenging other people to do the same thing to help support small businesses that are struggling right now. I think that's so
3: awesome. So what is that? Yeah, I'm, not so, familiar, I'm not familiar with that. What are you doing? Well, so
0: I mean it goes back to I'll tell you real quick. So my life motto, I had my my mission statement, my life motto is we are the day. And what happened was I've been working with a couple organizations, Operation Underground Railroad and Child Liberation Foundation for the last 5 years. I've been able to go on 11 ops undercover to help rescue these kids that are being Sex trafficked. And I was dating a girl about three years ago, and she was really upset. I remember we were pulling into the gym, and she's like, Hey, like, I don't want you to go do this anymore. And I was like, What are you talking about? It's like my life's mission. And she's like, Well, it's really dangerous and it's a bad environment. I just, I don't want you to do it anymore. Why can't they go do it? And it just came out of my mouth. They said, We are the they. And that it, like, sent shivers down my spy. That's and it. I, I got goosebumps I realized, like, with that. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm getting a tattoo on my forearm that says, we are the they. Never thought I'd be a tattoo guy, but that, that's my life model. <laughs> so um, I was awesome. supposed to get it last week. They canceled because of this damn virus. But, um, <laughs> so anyway, long story short, so anytime something goes wrong or people need help, I look at it as we are the they. So, so like, I'll give you an example. A couple months ago, there was a kid being bullied in, at Linden High School or Pleasant Grove High School in Linden. And I read the article on the news site, and there was over 250 comments of people, oh, this is racism, this is BS, I can't believe this is happening in our community, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, not one person was trying to, like, do anything about it. So I went to sleep, I went and laid in my bed, and as soon as I laid down, I thought of my motto, we are the they. I literally said to myself, Jimmy, you know you can go fix this, you can change the entire narrative. I'm like, ah, shit, here we go. So... (laughs) But I wanted to so I go downstairs, I sent off a couple of emails, I set up a Facebook page. I sent out about 20 text messages within 24 hours, my group of friends is they're very influential they um, were connected and within 24 hours we had that kid. We had over 70 people that donated some kind of gift. We had a party set up for the whole school. We had um, Rudy Gobert actually bought some courtside tickets for him and his dad. That's um, awesome. and he got to meet Donovan Mitchell. I had all my buddies that are. Quote unquote famous, reach out to him. Kyle Van Noy, you know, Patriots linebacker, now the Dolphins, uh, Jim Fredette you know, the Bucket List family, Garrett G., all these friends of mine. This kid had over 20 people reach out to him, professional athletes or influencers. And we just changed the whole narrative. The whole thing changed that quick. And so anytime things are going wrong or something's going bad, instead of complaining or just bitching on the internet about it, me and my friends have this motto that we are the they. Like we can make the difference. We can do this. And so with this whole thing, you know, I saw so many of my friends struggling small businesses. And I just said, you know, uh, let's do something about it. And so I tried to spread some good. So I challenged all my friends to do the same. And I just, I always use a lot of gift cards. Like anytime somebody gives me a referral for real estate, I send them a $50 gift card or whatever. And so I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to go prepay for $10,000 worth of gift cards from 10 different places. And so I just went out, spent 10 grand on gift cards, challenged all my friends to do the same. I got 11 of them to do it so far. I was hoping for a hundred, but you know, 11 is good. And uh, yeah, so it's been able to, to kind of, at least for some of those, we can't save everybody, but we can save a lot of, you know, help a lot of people. And that's, and as much as anything, you just want to share hope. You want to share love and let people know that, you know, like the old Mr. Rogers saying, you know, whenever something bad happens, his mom used to always say to him, look for the helpers in any bad situation. There's always people willing to help. And again, it always goes back to what do you want to focus on? Do You want to focus on the negative or do you want to focus on the positive? So good. That's awesome.
2: Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being here today. We really appreciate it. And thank you for sharing your story and your outlook. I know that there's a lot of people in the church and outside of the church that need to hear that message and grow in that understanding. Yeah. Changing lives.
0: Well, I appreciate you guys keep doing awesome things. It's cool that I love the relationship you guys all have and have been able to have. It's, it's special and it's how it's supposed to be. And it's always putting the the kids first and things like that. Anytime you're able to do that. So that's one of those things I really loved about you guys and your yeah. story.
2: Yeah. And I think Thank it's, you. it's interesting. And one of the things, at least I always say is, you know, we did this because we have a daughter together. Like we created this relationship because of that, but really when it comes down to it, we benefit just as much as our daughter by being able to keep the parts that we love and care about each other. And you know, it, it makes it better for us, too. We spent years married, and now we get to stay each other's friends and...
1: Share our love. Yep. That's what it's all about. Yep. Yeah, it's cool. Very cool.
0: Well,
2: thanks. Good luck with right, everything, and guys. stay healthy.
0: Likewise. Take care.
2: Hey, everyone. For The Takeaway this week, we just wanted to really let you guys know that it is so important to love yourselves. We change. Our bodies change. change. Things change. And so we got to learn to love ourselves in a new way, no matter what phase of life. And don't let anybody tell you where you should be at or what you should be doing. You pay attention to what feels right for you. If you enjoyed today's episode, please go share it on social media. Take a screenshot, tag husband-in-law. And if you have a question, go to Apple Podcasts and put a rating and review and write the question in the review. We will be sure to answer it for you.